Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Well, here comes today's red letter words. And somebody said to me, just as I was walking up the aisle, before saying good morning, well, I hope you explain this passage. So, this is ours today, huh? Anybody else think that? Have you read the passage yet? Well, here it is. Hi, Steve. Good to see you there. If you remain in me, it's in red ink because Jesus himself said it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's quite an open-ended statement and it seems probably most of us have come across these words before. They are words that seem to present what our title says is an opportunity like no other. <coughs> they are words that anyone running a prayer seminar would probably include. Ask God whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's quite a statement. Now, when I was a boy growing up back east in Pennsylvania... A major event every fall was the arrival of what we called the Wish Book. It was the Sears and Roebuck Christmas catalog. It used to be about that thick and about this. It was a huge encyclopedia of great things. Every junior member of the family, there were five of us in our family, every one of us in turn as kids would take our turn with it. We would spend hours in the toy section, of course, fantasizing and categorizing and prioritizing and finally deciding on the one or two items that we would ask Santa for. Yes, I was raised in one of those pagan families that believed in Santa Claus. And probably when my mother, if she had sent me a gift, and she did every year, I'll bet, I can't recall for sure, but I'll bet you, when she was 100 years old, she sent me a Christmas gift and said, from Santa. From Santa. We always had a few under the tree. And we would decide after going through that... Uh, Here's the one or two that are our choices. It probably had changed from this one to that one a dozen times. But finally, we came down to what our choices would be. And as kids, we, we, seemed, we, we found it fascinating that our parents always seemed to be interested in what was on our list. And usually it turned out that we got what we asked for. Now, Jesus' words here seem to open up a similar possibility. Except these requests are not going to a mythological creature or figure for whom our parents serve as middlemen. They're going directly to the Almighty. They are words that, however, can be both comforting and confusing. Confounding, even. 
How often have we prayed? How often have we tweaked over the corner, as it were, in our spiritual wish book, and nobody seemed to notice? I really prayed I would get that job. I really prayed that everything would be okay. Hardest of all, I really prayed that he or she would get better. Why doesn't? Why didn't what I wished for come to pass, especially when it seems like Jesus said it would? You see, there's perhaps nothing more frustrating or even devastating than prayer that doesn't work. Especially when the Bible seems to say, when Jesus himself seemed to say that it should, that it would. It all seemed to work so well for Jesus. Why doesn't it work for me? Now, these words of Jesus right here, this single verse, contain the answer to that question. In this verse, Jesus would say to, our, to us, there's some conditions. There's some conditions that our prayers must meet if the things we ask for are going to be found underneath, as it were, our spiritual Christmas tree. Jesus didn't just say, Ask God for anything you want, and you'll get it. Ask God for anything you wish for, and you will get it. This verse has two phrases that include the word if. If. There's a condition. If you hold up your end of the bargain, God will hold up his end. Now, we don't always look at prayer that way. We look at prayer as a gimme thing. God is gracious, God is good, God is loving, God is all wealthy, God has everything. And it's just when I come to a place where I identify something I need, well, ask God for it. He's your heavenly father, he's committed to you. All you got to do is figure out what you need, what you are going to even wish for, and then bring it to him in prayer. Isn't that how prayer works? God has everything. God is able to do anything. All we have to do is be sensitive enough and submissive enough to discover something we desperately need, but we can't pull off ourselves. And so we bring God in. And we ask God for that thing. Let's think together just for a little bit about the conditions. See, if the conditions aren't met, the prayer doesn't match. If the conditions aren't met, the prayer cannot be answered. It's not even a legitimate prayer. So let's look at it here. Jesus says, first part of the verse, if you remain in me. Now, that's a big if, isn't it? Some Christians have never been in Jesus in their entire life. They heard about Jesus. They heard the gospel. 
They accepted him as their savior. They understood there is no way they can get out from under the judgment of God unless they accept the free gift given by the savior who gave his life in their place and they accept him as their savior. They believe in Jesus and I have no biblical reason to say they are not saved. They believe in Jesus in a saving way. No question about it. But are they in him? What does that even mean? But Jesus says, whatever it means, that's one of the conditions for having prayer that works, to use our terminology. If you remain in me, I put here on your phrase, if you are completely in tune with me, if we are actually in him, we're thinking like him, we're feeling like him, we identify ourselves with him more than we do with anything else. We know how it is to be into things, right? When you get in it, into it, your whole mind is wrapped around it. That's all you can think about. That's all you want to think. You're in it. Jesus says, now, if you're in me, and if you're remaining in me, not just jumping in on Sunday morning, but if you remain in me, completely in tune with me, then that can lead to some good stuff. But to start with, that's absolutely foundational. Jesus identifies the prayer in this passage as one who is completely committed to him, completely in tune with him, someone who knows him and loves him and has his life completely based upon him. Now, that's quite a list of stuff. Given the other red-letter words we looked at, we could say this. This person Jesus is talking about is someone who has removed self from the throne. Can't serve both self and Jesus. We saw two weeks ago. So this person who's remaining in Jesus is someone who has removed self and his own selfish desires from the throne of his life and has placed Christ there. This is a person who has, to use Jesus' words, denied himself. Set self aside and say, myself has a whole lot of desires and, and uh, attitudes and, and perspectives that I'm no longer going to let dominate me or influence me or determine me. I'm going to take that old, fallen, sinful nature and, and just deny it. If possible, I'm going to try to kill it. But at least I'm going to deny it, put it in a little corner, and maybe build a wall around it if I can. Deny himself, taking up his cross. I got to wear one today. When I got home for lunch after last Sunday's message, a little knock came on the door, and it was a delivery guy. They can even come on Sunday these days. And we're sitting down to lunch, and Linda unwraps this little tiny package, and here's this cross. She knew we were going to talk about the take up your cross last Sunday. She had no idea I was going to make a deal out of nailing things to the cross. But this cross is made out of three nails. One longer one and two nails on the cross pieces. And so I thought I'd at least wear it today. 
It's to remind me I have a cross to take up and it's not my cross to bear. It's a useful cross whenever I need to put something to death. Usually something from my old nature. Something that doesn't belong to me as a follower of Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit says, Mark, you better put that to death. Good thing you have a cross. Nail it to it. I got a response from somebody last week that I just <laughs> had to laugh over and then be delighted in. person writes back about taking up the cross. Says, impatience. Nailed it. <laughs> Depression. Nailed it. Smoking. Ugh. I'm going to need a lot more nails. That's what the person said. See, there's things in our life that need to be put to death. And so Jesus says, take up your cross, carry it along with you, because you'll be surprised how much use you'll get out of it. Well, see, Jesus is talking about somebody who's in that process, has denied himself, has taken up his cross, and who has, of course, consciously placed his feet on the narrow road. Now, that's who Jesus is talking about. That's the person who's remaining in him. Doesn't say anybody's doing that perfectly because none of us can do it perfectly, but there's a big difference between doing it imperfectly and not trying to do it at all. The person who says, it's my life, I'm going to live it however I want to. Nobody's going to tell me, well, that's self still on the throne and nothing's being put to death in that person's life, even if they can say they truly believe in Jesus as their Savior, and most likely they do. But Jesus is saying, if you remain in me, that's a condition for the thing that comes next. He says, you'll be one of those kinds of people. And Jesus is saying, basically, these are the people. The ones who've denied themselves, taken up their cross, put their feet on the narrow path, have taken self from the throne, all those images, these are the people who have me looking over their shoulder as they page through their prayer catalog. These people have the ear of the Lord as, they, as they're preparing their wish list that they're going to bring before him. Compare these other words of Jesus. John chapter 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Well, anybody who's walked through life at all know how. I, I mean, every, living, every tree, every plant is like that. You've got, you got a main stalk and you've got branches. Jesus says, I'm the main stalk, I'm the trunk, I'm the vine. And you are attached to me, but all the, all the sap, all the strength, all the everything first is in the vine and then it goes to the branches. That's the relationship we have. If you remain in me and I in you, so there's that same phrase, you will bear much fruit. You'll wind up living like a Christian. You'll, you'll wind up living a kind of life that pleases God, honors God, and, and is inconsistent with God's will. But this remain in me, Jesus says, only happens for those who are connected to me, are in me, getting their strength and vitality from me. Jesus loved that phrase. Here he uses it again. In John chapter 6, 56, Jesus says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. There we are. Communion is a, a powerful thing. 
It's not magical the way some churches make it, but it's powerful. It's not just a memory device. It's a powerful thing. Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. We say all the time, next Sunday we have a first fruit service, we'll say it again probably, communion is a means of connection with Christ. We don't always point out that communion, now listen to this, that communion with Christ is a powerful precursor to effective prayer. How often we've been told, pray before you take part in communion, right? Ready your heart. Pray before you take part in communion. If we're hearing what Jesus is saying here and putting together uh, a logical sequence, we could easily say and be biblically right to say, take part in communion before you pray. Communion links me to Jesus puts me in tune with Jesus. Jesus says, those who want effect in prayer are those who remain in me. So you could make a case to say, boy, I need to take communion before I pray. We never think about getting right with God before we pray to God. It's like, hey, anybody come into his presence, dirty boots and all. And that has some value in it. You don't have to put on a tuxedo to pray. But this is saying... Communion is a means of linking ourselves to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying in this verse, remaining in him, being linked to him, is a means to having an effect in prayer. So sure, ready your heart before you take communion. But there are times you can certainly take communion to ready your heart for prayer. Get in touch with Christ before you begin to talk to his Father in his name. So that's a, that's a thought. Well, that's condition one. For effective prayer, remain, abide in Christ. Be sure that you are completely in tune with him, if you remain in me. Here's the second one, second condition. Jesus said, and if my words remain in you. I use this phrase here, completely script, be completely scripted by me. My words, Jesus says, remain in you. Forget your words. My words remain in you. Image that came to mind, you know, it's like a Hollywood actor who has been handed a script. We are like that as we prepare to play out our role in the church of Jesus Christ. The script has been written. We are handed the script. We are not actors in an improv session where we're just handed a situation. Now, in actor school, they do that. You know, you're sitting there and they just say, okay, here, once you imagine this situation, you're this, you're, go. And the person just tries to get into that character, into that role, and, and let their creative juices start flowing and let their imagination take over and let their natural abilities kind of come in and they put on a display. And if they're super duper actors, the teacher says, man, I got a winner here. And if there's somebody who just stands there saying, uh, it's like, you might be in the wrong class. 
That's an improv. The Christian life is not an improv. The Christian life, we're handed the script that we are to learn forwards and backwards so that we can give the presentation, we can deliver it, but it's not our own words. It's not us making up stuff about the way we think life ought to go. Jesus says, if my words remain in you. In John 14, 23, Jesus put it this way, anyone who loves me properly and will follow it. All Jesus' teaching is included in the script. So we need to know the script. We need to be transformed by the script. That has all the instructions on how we live our life. We're not to make up a single line. We're not to alter a line. We're not to say, well, I know Jesus said this, but, you know, in our day and age, I think it would be more effective if we did it. No, the script's been written. And written in red ink. And so we encourage you, as we've been doing all along, read the red letters. Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Do that again and again and again. Jesus' most extended teaching to the multitudes. And then read what's called the Upper Room Discourses. They're found in John chapters 13 to 17. That's just Jesus with his own disciples the last night before his crucifixion. Things he wanted them desperately to know. His last words to them. Read them. John chapters 13 to 17. Commit as much of those two passages of scripture to memory as you can. And give the spirit plenty to work with. Because here's what Jesus then said about the spirit. John 14, 26. He, that is Numa, will remind you of everything I have said. And so it works both ways. Jesus said it. It's scripted out. It's given to us in our script. Read it. Read it. Become familiar with it. And then the Holy Spirit can, from time to time, say, remember? Now, it's hard for him to remind us stuff that we don't know anything about. Right? How many of you occasionally, Paul, this wouldn't be true of you, and I'm sure Trevor, not you. How many of you have ever prayed, though, on a day of a major exam, oh, Lord, help me remember what I didn't study? (laughs) We're asking for a miracle, right? Well, it doesn't work in the Christian life, and it doesn't work in real life. If you didn't study it, you can't remember it. So the Holy Spirit will remind us but it's sure helpful if we've come across it first. And then the Spirit says, remember when Jesus said, oh yeah, I remember that. That applies here. So we read it. We become familiar with the script. The Holy Spirit reminds us. The Holy Spirit sometimes is like the prompter who's standing off stage and who whispers the line when the actor forgets it. And of course, it goes better if we don't forget it at all. Just know it. And the Holy Spirit can just affirm it. So those are two big conditions for this opportunity, this this great possibility that Jesus is talking about. If we're going to take advantage of this opportunity like no other, that is to ask and to receive. We must remain in Christ. An ongoing condition of our life. Remain in Christ 
and allow his words to remain in us. Now, those are two great tasks. Those are every day, all day kind of tasks. We're living in a world that condemns Christ. We're living in a world that teaches the absolute opposite of what Christ would teach. And if we don't stay on focus, all that other stuff can get inside of us and pretty soon somebody else, one of our earthly heroes, we're remaining in them. It's like all we can think about is them. All we can think about is what they say. All we can think about is what they're doing. And pretty soon it's like we're just living their life right along with them. We can do that with some human being around us. All we can think about is this person and it so captivated us and we're remaining, as it were, in them and they are controlling, dictating, influence everything we do think about and where we go and how it is. And when we're in a situation like that, we are not in a situation where we can ask God for whatever we wish and it will be done. Because we're probably asking God for a lot of stuff that would, would appall him. He would say, that's the last thing I want to do. Wow, are you off track? See, but when we're remaining in Christ, we're not off track. When his words are abiding in us, and his words are the ones that are in our mind right in the front, then we're not off track. And then this opportunity, like no other, can become a reality for it. Here's how Jesus expressed it. He just said, ask whatever you wish. You know, how many times as Christians have we been told wishes have nothing to do with it? Well, our English translators saw Jesus putting it that there's an asking. Well, what are we asking for? Ask whatever you wish. The desire of your heart. The desire of your heart. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's a slam dunk. If the asker is remaining in Christ and if the asker and the wisher is having the words of Christ remain and abide and, and be front, front of the mind in his life. Because that guy is wishing for different stuff. That guy is asking for different stuff. When Christ's words begin to be our words, our wishes change. Our desires change. And we won't be asking God to help us win the lottery. Have any of you ever done that? I mean, it's just two bucks. Okay, look, I'm just giving God leeway here. I mean, how could he bless me if I don't even buy a ticket, right? <laughs> oh, God, just let me win the lottery. If I could win the lottery. God says, I wouldn't be within 100 miles of that blankety-blank lottery. Why are you? The, so we got a disconnect there, but Jesus is trying to smooth it all out. If you remain in me, okay, that says a lot about you. And if my words remain and abide in you, that says a whole lot. Then, because Jesus knows if those two things are true, a whole bunch of junk has left our life. 
a whole bunch of evil desires, a whole bunch of wishes that are more selfish than they are godly, they they just leave with that stuff. And you know, have you ever discovered the more the junk is gone, the easier it is to live good? The more the junk is gone, the good might actually look good to you. Where there might be a time in your life where you say, oh, those Christians, they don't have any fun. They can't do this, they can't do that. You notice all the things that you're doing that's so much fun. (laughs) But once those things are gone, all of a sudden, like, wow, I had no idea Christians could have so much fun. I had no idea Christians could really know joy and peace and contentment and, and laugh together without any of us being half drunk. You know, it just... Get it out, and you'll be amazed how good the stuff that comes from Christ alone is. So ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you, Jesus says. Be completely in tune with me. Be completely scripted by me. And now here's the deal. You be completely in tune with me, Jesus says. You be completely scripted by me, and my Father will consider you to be me. Because in effect we are. We've been, we're being formed into the very image of Christ. And when we pray under those circumstances, the Father can easily say, they sound just like my son Jesus. Of course I'll grant their requests. If he made that request, I would grant it. Of course I'll grant They sound just like him. They're asking for the very same stuff he would ask for if he were doing the asking. See, Jesus said in John 16, 23, My Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. I know I'll tell you how many prayers have been prayed, how many Christians have taken confidence in just tacking in Jesus' name, amen, on the end of their selfish prayers. As though that makes it... You know, that, that's the magic thing. Just add Jesus. Jesus means who have asked consistent with everything that makes me, me. That means you can stamp my name on your prayer and it belongs there. Your prayer highlights my name. Your, name gives, your prayer gives expression to my name. So when you ask the Father for something in my name, it's coming just as if I prayed it myself. Now, I don't know how many of us, I don't know for how long even I have viewed prayer that way. Prayer is supposed to be, you know, something different. You know, I'm, I, I just ask God for what I need, what I want, and since he's my loving Heavenly Father, he, he grants it, uh, at least I expect him to. No, it seems like... Uh, there's more. So here's the question. Notice, notice some of the things that were on Jesus' wish list. I told you to read John chapters 13 to 17. Well, here, here's something out of John chapter 17, the last chapter of those upper room discourses. Jesus said, first of all, he said, Father, glorify your son. Jesus was getting ready to go back to heaven. He said, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. See, that's what Jesus was concerned about for himself. 
that he would become such a, such a person of glory that the whole world would glorify his heavenly father. Do we pray for that? See, that's part of the script. Jesus prayed for that. Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. The big deal is God getting glory in this world, not me getting what I want, but God getting glory. And Father, it, just glorify me. Let me be that beacon of light that when people see me, they see something of you. And that'll be enough for me. That's what I really want. That's what my wish is. That was Jesus' wish. And then he prayed for the disciples. He said, Father, protect them. Well, they're in a tough world. There's a devil out to get them. Protect them from the evil one. Protect them. Guard them. And then he said, sanctify them. Father, make them even more holy than they are right now. Just continue the process of making them more and more godly in this world. And that very process will bring them glory and will bring them notice and will bring you glory. So that's how he prayed. That was on Jesus' script. We could just imagine it ought to be on ours too, right? Key deals on, on how we pray. So Jesus says, if we do this, if we abide in him, remain in him, and if his words abide and remain in us, those two things change us drastically, then whatever we ask for, we can ask for whatever we wish, because guess what? We're brand new wishers. We're not wishing for a new big house. We're not wishing that that, that guy that annoys me would just run into a wall or something. We're, we're new wishers. We're wishing for things like, oh, God, let me be so identified as one of your children that there's a kind of glory that comes to me that then allows me to have a testimony that would be effective and true. Oh, Father, protect me and those in, in my Christian family from the evil one. Protect us because he's evil. And he's everywhere and he's a deceiver. Protect us from that lest our minds get filled with his thoughts. Lest our behavior starts following after his suggestions. Father, protect us. See, it's so much more important to be protected from the evil one than be protected from a virus. Jesus said, don't worry about he who can uh, kill the body. Well, a virus can kill the body. Certain viruses we're fighting right now have killed a lot of people. But the devil can destroy somebody. The devil can, can blind them to the truth of God. Can get them off track for a long, long time. And so, much more important to be protected from the evil one than to, to be protected from evil things. This world is full of evil things and evil people. And, and yes, we need to walk wisely through it. But we need to be protected from the evil one behind it. Father, that's what we need to ask for. And God says, boy, you asked me for that, you're going to get it. Because that's my son's desire. That's what he prayed for his own disciples. See, remaining in him, abiding in him, and then all of a sudden, 
the things that we want in our heart are like what he wanted and he had in his heart. And when we pray those prayers, the Father says, well, of course, of course, I haven't heard praying like that since my son was on the earth. Now, wouldn't that be a great thing? And become a real prayer. Coming before God, asking for the things that are on the script. Not the things we've made up ourselves. We could take any teaching of Jesus and say, Oh, Heavenly Father, let, this, let me master this. Let me master this. And the Father would say, Well, I would love to do that. I've sent the Holy Spirit to, to actually shape you into that. Just yield to him. Just yield to him. You're on your way. So that's how it can work. Now, I want to share something with you. might be a, a little bit uh, humorous, a little bit uh, uh, casual. But an example. Something from Linda and my life. Just recently. An illustration might even be a bit of a parable type thing. But let me just share it with you. Today, today is the 40th day of a particular adventure that Linda and I have been on. It's been 40 days today of following a raw fruit and vegetable diet. Okay? It's been a tremendous transformational experience, both physically and intellectually and emotionally. I've actually lost nine pounds. And my cholesterol that was a concern that we had when we started this, has dropped 102 points. From 216 to 114. There's a nurse in our congregation who tells me that's unusual to have that kind of a, of a drop. That's lower than it's ever been before, and I have a high cholesterol problem. We, the two of us, every single day wake up with clear minds and with sufficient energy for the tasks of the day. Over these 40 days, we have completely changed our definition of food. The script. Completely, if we had a, two lists, food and not food, we have a whole new list of things that are on this side food and you wouldn't believe everything else for us has become not food. Okay? There's some things over here that are perfectly alright that God's created but no longer for us. We've accepted a definition of what food will be for us because it's like we are feeling so good and having such an effect. Why would we mess with it? So... I thought for fun I might take you on a pictorial journey through our day and the application of this parable and how it fits into this message will come right at the end. So here we go. We took some pictures here. Here's how our day goes. We start our day as soon as we wake up, which happens to be for us 5 o'clock in the morning, with 16 ounces of fresh-squeezed celery juice. <laughs> There it is. Anybody want to take a drink? It's become delightful. Now, this is a cleansing product. Celery juice will cleanse your internal organs, so we've been told and so we believe. And within two days, it cleansed our heads of a lot of gunk, a lot of uh, 
you know, it's just great. Okay, that's how we start. Later in the morning, we eat a banana. Lunch, which is the highlight of our day, consists of an unbelievable salad. Ah, I need to go. <laughs> that, let me just tell you about this salad. You would never find a salad like this in any restaurant anywhere. Here's what's in it. I asked Linda to give me a list. Totally organic. And we have eaten this for lunch, counting today for 40 consecutive days. And not once said, oh, we're having that salad again? Every time it's like it's the first time we've tasted it. I guarantee you. Here's what's in it. Spring mixed greens. Shredded red cabbage. Shaved Brussels sprouts, sliced radishes, sliced cucumbers, sliced red pepper, sliced red onion, chopped tomatoes, wild broccoli sprouts, dried cranberries, pumpkin seeds, and snow peas. It's all in there. And somehow when you eat your way through it, it's like every single bite is like discovering a brand new, ooh, look at that. Look at that. It's just, well, probably not. Now, mid-afternoon, we enjoy some watermelon. And you know the old line, eat watermelon alone or leave it alone. So we eat it alone in the middle of the afternoon. At dinner time, we have a fleshly, uh, freshly blended fruit smoothie. Sitting on the back porch, listening to the birds and the road noise and eating our smoothie with a spoon. In the evening, it's some dates stuffed with chopped walnuts, accompanied by a, cu a cup of herbal tea. That's shortly before bedtime. And of course, any time during the day, we can snack on a few homemade, fat-free potato chips. And they are delightful. You can eat an entire potato's worth, and it's only 100 calories. The whole thing. Delicious. Now, here's the point. Are you ready for the point? Here's the point. I can ask Linda for anything on that list, and she will say, of course. Of course. My list of, of total food items that I want to choose from is the list. And I can say, uh, could we have a smoothie today? Of course. Now, I might say, what if we flip things around? What if we have a smoothie for lunch and a salad for, for dinner? Wow, well, we could do that. It's like, what if we read Matthew 6 before we read Matthew 5? That's okay. You switch the order, but the truth is the same. Now, what Jesus is saying is we can ask the Father for anything that's on his list and he will grant it. If I said to Linda right now, could I have a juicy steak? I might get an over-my-dead-body kind of response. She might say, Mark, remember the cholesterol numbers you had when we were eating? You know, See, it's not on the list. When we ask God for something, we pray even in Jesus' name. 
and ask him for something that's absolutely not on his list, not consistent with the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, might be in violation of some teaching of Jesus that we're not even aware of because we don't read them, there is no way the Father can grant that. And many of our requests are, not, are just not big enough. Father, protect them from the evil one. And we try to tell God all about the details of each individual person's life and how we want him to do this for them and do that for them and don't let this happen to them. And you can almost feel your Heavenly Father saying, who made you so smart? How can you presume to ask me, the Almighty, to work through all these details in their life that you have figured out should go just this way? And this should never happen to them because that would be terrible. And this needs to happen to them because that would be wonderful. Who made you so smart that you can write the script yourself? And just ask me to autograph the end of it. You see, prayer is more like, God, do your thing. God, do your thing. It's glorious. It's good. It, it brings glory to those who are yours. And it, and it brings joy and, and communicates and it honors the Lord Jesus. Father, just do your thing in my life, in our lives. Here's somebody facing a dreadful situation. Father, do your thing in that situation. And if this even takes them to the doorway of death, oh, Father, let them come to that doorway with confidence and hope. Because we Christians are, are not destroyed by death. We just pass through it. See, and so, Father, your will be done. You, And all of a sudden, there's, there's a greater peace in that. It narrows down the wishes that we might have. Just like our, our food journey has narrowed down the, the list of things that we're trying to work our way through that are options for us. See, prayer is recognizing that God has wisdom and power and might and our wishes that exactly what he wants happens in my life and in the lives of those I love and care about. And as I and that the actual desires of Christ are fulfilled in them. So the more I know what the desires of Christ are, the more I can even pray specifically, that because I might be in a situation that Jesus has spoken about. I might have enemies. Jesus spoke about how to deal with them. I might say, oh, Father, I just pray that I might be able to deal with this enemy the way Jesus said that I should. I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will make known yourself to them. I pray that I might be loving and kind to them. Because that's what Jesus said. See, then all of a sudden my, my prayer becomes consistent with the very words of Jesus and the Father says, I can do that. I, I want to do that. That's the very kind of thing my son would have asked me. See, and all of a sudden prayer becomes more than a gimme. It becomes a relationship with an almighty God that is by his spirit molding us into the very character of Jesus Christ and we are cooperating with that as we learn what Jesus himself taught and said. How good is that? And so our final thought.
We just come down to this. Jesus is my vocation. That is, he's my life calling. My whole job, everything about me living should be caught up in Jesus Christ. He's our vocation. And he, his words are my vocabulary. You see there, I needed two V words. Had vocabulary first. His words are my vocabulary. The only ones I know. Wouldn't it be nice if that were true? The only words I know are the red letter words of the Bible. And I, I speak like Jesus spoke all the time, every day. But we work toward that. Make, make his words your main vocabulary. So we say here, everything I desire is consistent with his teaching. That's good. Everything I ask for is consistent with his example. Once again, the father saying, I remember Jesus asked me something like that once. He left an example for us. And then praying in his name is an opportunity, a true opportunity like no other. An opportunity to receive from God exactly what our heart desires. A heart that is shaped by the words of Christ and that is committed to the person of Christ. And there we have the whole package. And there we have it. Oh, may God just bless us as we think about these things. Our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus gave a, a great, great uh, promise. He opened up the door to a great opportunity to come before you and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we will receive that for which we ask. That which our heart wishes and Father, to know that, that we're becoming the kind of people whose hearts wish for the right stuff. Continue to shape us by your Spirit. So whenever we open our mouths and our minds to talk to you, our Heavenly Father, we're, we're kind of speaking words that, that belong. Words that are consistent with Christ himself. And words that you, our Heavenly Father, just desire and love to hear. And I know these words right now are those that you desire and love to hear. That each one of us might abide in Christ. Each one of us might have the words of Christ abide in us. Become the primary things that we think about and that we're guided by. And that, Father, we would, we would just show ourselves to be his more and more every day. We ask you this now in his name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at Sun Life Community Church. Dot com.